We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. And it happened, as he was alone praying, that his disciples joined him, and he asked them, saying, Who do the crowds say that I am? So they answered him and said, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And y'all know Peter had to be the first one to like, get it out, right? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. And he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Verse 23 is our focal text for today. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I'm going to read that again. Then he said to them, verse 23, then he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Somebody shout amen. Jesus' ministry um, at the time he makes these statements um, was gaining ground fast. He had not long ago performed one of his most public miracles to date, where he fed um, over 5,000 people, once you include the women and children, uh, with two fish and five loaves of bread. Um, And because of, um, or as a result of these miracles and these dreams come true, uh, that Jesus was performing, his popularity grew, and he started to, to, to pick up crowds of people. In verse 18, uh, Jesus turns to his disciples and he asks them, who do the crowds say that I am? Um, And they respond and they say, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, even others say um, you are a prophet from old who has come back uh, to life. And Jesus reposes the question or poses the question again to the disciples directly. He says, okay, now that I know who they feel that I am, you who know me, who do you say I am? And Peter, being the leader of the group, he says, the Christ of God, you're the Messiah, you're the chosen one. And Jesus is like, good, man, great job. (laughs) Um, I want to point out something very specific from that dialogue, is that Jesus makes a clear distinction between the crowds and the disciples. He makes a very clear distinction line in the sand, but because he turns to the disciples and he says, who does the crowds say that I am? And then he turns back to them. He says, okay, since I understand their opinion of me, then you tell me the one who knows me, those who follow me, those who learn from me, those who spend this time with me. Now you tell me who I am. Let me know if you know me or you're just here for what I can provide. 
Let me know if you've showed up for the better that you heard that I can do. Let me know if you've shown up for the miracles that you heard that I can perform. Let me know if you showed up for the peace that I'm supposed to be, or you showed up here for me. This is essentially what Jesus was getting at. Can I give you the 2022 importance of this? If this church thing is going to work for you this year, at some point you're going to have to transition from the crowd to discipleship. At some point, you're going to have to transition, shout transition, from the crowd to discipleship. Now, here's the thing. I have no judgment for why you showed up this morning. You may have shown up this morning because you heard that he was peace, and I'm here for peace, Pastor Wanzo, and, and I heard that he can do miracles, and I need a miracle in my relationship, and I heard that he can do all sorts of things, God, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm here for that right now. It does not matter why you showed up. He doesn't care about that, but at some point, there has to be a transition. And because Jesus is, 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 is all-knowing, and he, he's so smart, he breaks down what it takes to be a disciple. He doesn't just throw it out there and say, oh, just come follow me. No, he lets us know what it takes to be a disciple. And what I'm going to call it, he gives us the four D's of discipleship. That's good preacher stuff right there. Four D's of discipleship. Say that with me, four D's of discipleship. Because now, now, here's the thing. Here's the key. Here's the key. If you remain part of the crowd, and, and we've all, who's been to a concert before, any kind of concert, whether you would say the unsaved, you've been to a concert before. You don't, you don't want to raise your hand because oh, I went to the, like Wu Tang concert when I was nineteen. That's the only one I know. But if you've been to if you've been to a concert and you're a part of the crowd, after the performance is over, the crowd leaves. After he gets done performing the miracle and after he gets done being the person that you thought he should be to you, crowds leave. Disciples, on the other hand are still waiting after the microphone has been shut down and, 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 and the lights have been turned off. They're standing waiting for him to give them just one more word, one more ounce of something that you can say, Lord, to change my mind. Because I wasn't here for you to perform. I came for you. So if you're not performing right now, I'm going to stand right here until something changes because, God, I came for you. Not for the performance, not what you could do. I came because of who you are. Disciples stay still because they know who he is. You know what's so amazing about disciples? And this has nothing to do with my message right now. I'm just thinking. They were part of the miracle. Specifically feeding the 5,000. They played a role in the miracle. They weren't getting the miracle themselves. They weren't recipients of the miracle. They were part of the miracle. When you transition from the crowd to discipleship, you become part of the answer. Let's get back to my preacher message. Four D's of discipleship. Let's go to verse 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Our first D is the word desire. 
Say that with me, desire. Now, before I make this statement, I have nothing against the restaurant chilies. Okay? If you like chilies, knock yourself out. It is great for you. Um, <laughs> but I never desire chilies. Ezra, ever desire chilies. But because of our situation at times, and because what's available to us, and the time that we have available to us, we find ourselves at Chili's every now and again. And it never fails when I walk into this place. I walk in, and I look at the menu, and I can't find anything to eat. Like, there's a full menu of food, and I can't find anything to eat. So now they're putting pressure on me. Everybody's looking at dad because dad had made a decision. Dad, what you want? So I just, give me that. Give me, let me try that. I'm just going to, you know, take a stab at it and just give me that. The food comes to the table, and it's just not good. It's just not good to me. This is just Pastor Wanzel's personal opinion. It's just not good to me. Maybe good to you, but it's not good to me. So I sit at the table. Watch me now. I sit at the table, and I pick over my food long enough so that I pacify my hunger. I'll sit there and mess around with it long enough for where it pacifies my hunger, but I never get full because I never wanted it. We show up at church on Sunday and we get just enough Jesus to keep us from going to hell. But we don't desire him enough to change. We come to church to pacify ourselves with Jesus so I can feel a little bit better and I can get these miracles that I heard that he can do and I know that he's supposed to be my peace and all this stuff. But Jesus is saying, do you truly have a desire for me? Do you have a taste in your spirit for me? Because if you don't, oh gosh, this is so good. Because if you don't, you'll sit in that seat and you'll be very critical of everything that comes out of the pastor's mouth because I don't necessarily want Jesus. I'm just here to pacify this feeling that I have. shop desire. The most important question that we have to ask ourselves in 2022 is, do I desire Jesus? That's the looking at me to write that down. That's why you have to ask. <laughs> do I desire Jesus? Because, because here's the thing. If you don't desire Jesus, <clears throat> and you're showing up here just to pacify the feeling that you have, at some point, Jesus is going to request that you follow him. And your response to Jesus, I'm not here for that. So now things get complex between you and Jesus and what he's trying to take you because I never came here to follow you, Jesus. I came here for what you can do. So Jesus, instead of me following, go get it and bring it back. Jesus, I, I don't want direction on this. Just go make it happen and bring it back. Jesus, I don't want instruction how to handle the situation. Go fix it and bring it back. Because I never wanted Jesus, but here's the thing. Jesus is always going to get in a position with you where he's going to ask you to start following him because he's not into the crowd. He's into disciples. So it's always going to feel like Jesus is pushing you. 
not better yet. Let me fix that. He's pulling you. Jesus, you're taking me too far too fast. Because I showed up for what you can do. So fix it, Jesus. Remember that song when we said, who grew up in, in church? Fix it, Jesus. Y'all know? <laughs> All I want him to do is to fix it. I don't want you. And it sounds bad, but that is what we do. Jesus says, follow me, act like me, you know, live life like me. And we don't want him enough to change. We don't want him enough to, to change our mind. We don't want him enough to change our lifestyle. We don't want him enough for, for us to start acting differently. But we do want him enough because we know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We know we can't make it to heaven without him. So, Jesus, give me just enough of that so I can make it to heaven. He told me it was going to be quiet today. It's okay. Shout desire. <clears throat> It is a very complex position that we find ourselves in. And I, I, and I can guarantee you it confounds God. Um, I, I think I make a pretty good chili. Now I'm talking about chili, not the restaurant. I'm talking about chili. <laughs> There's nothing pretty good about chili. It's just, just possible. It's personal opinion. That's it. I make a pretty good chili. Um, and my family likes my chili. Everybody except Kennedy. And it's not that she necessarily has a beef with the chili per se. She doesn't like beans. So she'll say, Dad, you're making chili today? Yes, babe, I'm making chili. Can you make it without the beans? Well, Kennedy, that takes the chili out of the chili. Don't you think so? Like, babe, it takes the chili out of the chili. That is what God is saying. You want church without Jesus? You want heaven without Jesus? That doesn't work for me. That, that's a problem for me. You're take, you're, listen, you're taking the holiness out of the whole thing. You're taking the purpose away from it. You can't have church without Jesus. Oh, I'll mess with you further. You can't have peace without Jesus. Because peace is his. So you're trying to ask yourself, well, Pastor, why isn't all of this stuff working? I'm seeing councils. I'm doing everything. I've got my moment. I went on vacation, and it's still not giving me peace because peace belongs to him. Shout desire. Let's get this next one. <clears throat> Let's go back to verse 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Point number two is the word denial. Say that with me, denial. I've got a definition for you. Still a definition. So we can work from the same position. Write this down. Denial, we're talking self-denial. To ignore my nature and the very existence of my sinful desires. To ignore my nature and the very existence of my sinful desires. I'm going to give you another second. R-E-M. To ignore my nature and the very existence of my sinful desires. Now, we're 
what are we talking about when we speak of the word denial? We are, we are saying that it is saying to myself, no, I'm not giving myself to that feeling. No, I'm not going along with that thought. No, I'm not going to satisfy that lust. No, I'm not going to indulge that way anymore. I say no to my flesh, my physical man. I, des I deny it what it desires. That is the denial. It is to ignore my nature, my flesh, and the very existence of my sinful desire. What we have to understand, and this is why this is so important, is that my flesh doesn't care if I make it to heaven or hell. It could care less. Now, you have to understand that from, from, from the function, right? You're a three-part being. You've got a body, your spirit, and you possess a soul, right? So your spirit automatically goes back to the God who gave it. But your body, watch this now, your flesh, once you finish earth, once you finish life on this earth and you die, it goes back to the dust of the ground. Listen to me now. Your flesh doesn't care about your eternity because it's no, it knows it's not going to be there in the first place. So all it cares about is your now. It is biased to the now. Shout now. That is the reason why you have to hold yourself back so often from things and talk yourself out of stuff because your flesh knows it doesn't make it into eternity. So there will always be this conflict between my flesh and my spirit, man, because my flesh cares about now and my spirit, man, cares about later. So I have to deny myself. Shout deny yourself. I was, um, probably about three, four weeks ago, I was watching Legacy with Bramble. And uh, he's a good kid, by the way. I can't watch bad kids. Um, but we're sitting on the couch, <coughs> and we're watching TV, and um, he has this thing for remotes and phones, right? Most babies do. And the remote is sitting here and he's on my lap and he catches eyes with the remote like the remote like locks eyes with him and he has to have the remote and this is how I talk to him I'm like no bro you can't have it that's the way we talk so he looks up at me I'm on this side he looks up at me kind of sits there for a second and he he likes to dance but he dances for a little bit and then he looks back at the remote and he goes after it I said bro no you can't have it he looks back up at me starts dancing again. And he does it like one or two more times. Like, bro, you cannot have it. No. So after a while, he just forgets about it. He ignores it, the fact that he even wanted it, and just starts playing with me. The remote's still sitting here, and he's less than a foot away from the remote, but he ignores the desire for it because he knows that I told him no. 
So even though he wants it, he stops going after it because he knows that's not for you. Now, everything is fine. And about five minutes later, I had to go do something, so I put the boy on the floor. Right? And I look up, and, and look what I see. Now, first off, as soon as I put him down, he went after the remote. Listen to me, y'all. I can't deny myself without Jesus. I have to sit in the lap of Jesus in order for this denial thing to work. In order for me to ignore it, I have to have his spirit in me. I have to be wrapped up in his arms so that he, he can keep me from the things that I desire so desperately. So here's what cracks me up. You see him, he just pressing away. He don't know that that remote don't control the TV. You don't know the buttons you keep pressing ain't going to change anything. But, Lord, I want the remote. You don't know me going after this. Is not going to change anything? You don't have to have it right now. But, Lord, listen, God, I'm, I'm saying just please calm down. Stop, 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 stop. Ignore it. No sooner than he got out of my arms, he had to have the remote. Tell you never put it down. No sooner than he got out of my lap, he had to have the remote. What is it that you just have to have? What is it that you want so desperately? I'm going to move. Let's push to the next one. Let's go to number three. <coughs> Can I do one more? I'm trying to push on. I'm trying to. I, I told myself I need to keep myself in line. Can you put the, the definition back up? <coughs> It says to, to ignore my nature, flesh, and the very existence of my sinful desires. I want you to understand this so you don't walk away from this like fooling yourself. You can't deny yourself something that you don't desire. So we like to give ourselves credit for the things we don't do. But the truth of the matter is, you never desired that. And what happens is, is that we give ourselves a lot of credit and we put ourselves on a pedestal because I don't do that. Hmm. But that secret lust that you have that nobody can see necessarily, that is the thing that I'm talking about that you have to ignore and walk away from. Well, Pastor Wise, I don't go to the club, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't curse. That was never in you in the first place. But what's in you? Which remote do you want? Oh, because all of us have a remote. 
There is something that all of us in here desires, and that includes the pastor with the microphone. You better not go to a church where the pastor is so holy where he can't be honest about desires. I just desire to say it. I got to say it. No, you don't. It doesn't belong to me, and I just got to have it. No, you don't. I want you to be honest with yourself and listen to me, y'all. I'm laughing and I'm playing it, and I love to do that because I think it makes it easier for you to digest it. But I want you to understand, don't fool yourself when you walk out of here. I don't have a lustful spirit, and that's not my problem. But I'm jealous. So I can't help but to keep going to Instagram, and I can't help but to keep going to, to, to social media and just looking at different things that keeps me in this jealous cycle. It never goes away. But I ain't going to the club. <laughs> Definitely not smoking. Do you get what I'm saying? I want you to have an honest moment with yourself when you walk away from the space and say, listen, God, what is it? What, what is my remote? What is the thing that I run back to every time that I walk away from you? What do I find myself doing that I cannot control? What do I find myself yearning for that I just can't control the yearning for? What is that thing? Because it doesn't look like everybody else's. It can be totally different. This time we're going to go to the third one. <laughs> Let's go back to verse 23. <clears throat> then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. <clears throat> Our third uh, D of discipleship is dedication. He said there would be dedication. For us 21st century believers, when we think of the cross, um, we think of the great sacrifice, we think of reckless love, um, we think of salvation, um, because the cross for us has a spiritual meaning. Um, it is representation of um, what we believe and who we believe in. <coughs> But on the day that Jesus said this to those in attendance, the cross had a totally different meaning. There was no spiritual connection to the cross whatsoever. I want you, I want you to abandon what you know to be true right now because that is true. But when Jesus said this about the cross, there was nothing good about the cross. Like you couldn't deduce it down to anything good. When Jesus said this, um, the cross was an instrument of torture and death. That is it. It was an instrument of torture and death. The person who was condemned to crucifixion uh, was forced by the Roman government to carry their crossbeam to the place of their execution. And when they got to that place of execution, they were nailed hand and foot and, and, and placed upon the cross where they would hang until they suffocated under the weight of their own body. It was a terrible, slow, painful way to die. 
So when Jesus says, take up your cross daily, well, what is my cross? It is anything that hinders my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Somebody taking a note. It is anything that hinders my relationship with God. It is anything that hinders me from taking the step and following Jesus Christ the way that I'm supposed to. It is anything that hinders that. When you picked up a cross in that day, listen to me now, when you picked up a cross in that day, that meant that you were not coming back. That meant that I would never see you here again. So when Jesus, listen to the context he said, when Jesus says this, what he's talking about is us picking up our jealousy every day and taking it to his place of execution. He's talking about us picking up unforgiveness every day and taking it to his place of execution. He's talking about us picking up our lust every single day and taking it to his place of execution so that it will never be seen again. He's talking about us taking all of the feelings that we have and the jealousy and the envy and all the things that keep us away from him and keep us from doing what he's called us to do. He is saying, I want you to take it to his place of execution and watch it die. Daily. Can I make it easier? This has to be a spiritual thing. Because you can't die physically every day. This has to, listen to me, this has to happen in my mind, in my heart, every single day. Every day. I'm taking this perversion to the cross every single day. I'm taking my insecurities to the cross every single day. And it might be painful, but it has to happen every single day. He says, pick up your cross daily. Now, here's the beautiful part in all of this. If you picked up a cross in that day, that meant that you were no longer in control of the outcome of your life. Let's think about this. This is already predetermined. Once I pick the cross up, it is predetermined what's about to happen. When you think about picking up your cross daily within the context that Jesus is speaking, it means that when I pick up the cross, I am no longer in control of the outcome of what's about to happen with this because I'm under arrest. I'm, I've been captured by his love. I'm shackled in his mercies. I'm bound by his grace. And it might be painful to me to say to myself, Wanzo, you can't keep doing this, and I got to take it to the cross every single day. I got to take it to his place of execution every single day. But I've got grace when I'm doing it. I've got mercy while I'm doing it. I've got his peace while I'm doing it because I belong to him. I belong to him. I'm his property now, and he's going to make sure that the outcome is in my favor. Even if it's painful for me to do it, even if it's painful for me to give up that addiction, He's going to grace me to do it. And what I love about it, he says, listen, if you're arrested by my love, I'm on the hook for the outcome. Mm 
I know what's going to happen. But he says, you, you got to be dedicated. Shout dedicated. Let's get this last one. Are y'all learning anything today? Did you get anything today? Because if you didn't, it's over. Just the bones part. Let's go back to verse 23. Let's get this last one. <clears throat> then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Our last and final point or our last and final D of the four D's of discipline, or excuse me, discipleship is direction. Jesus says, and follow me. <clears throat> um, I don't want you to miss the power in what Jesus says at the end of his sentence when he says, follow me. Um, what came to my mind um, while I was in my office I don't know why this hit me so hard, but it did. Um, but it's not easy to follow. I mean, just think physically. Like, you ever have to follow someone in your car to a certain place? I'm a very difficult follow in that, in that respect. Um, but following is not an easy thing to do. But what God gave me and what was freeing for me is that I don't know, I don't have to know how to get where I'm going if I'm following. I don't, I don't have to know all of the details if I'm following. Every person in this room, every person in this room, whether you have a, um, an Android or an Apple phone, I prefer, you know, the Lord likes Apple, um, but anyone and any person in this room who has a phone, you walk around with a certain confidence now about going to places that you've never been before, that you never had. Because I don't have to know the direction to the place I've never been before. Because all I have to do is ask my phone. And if I just follow the directions... I can easily get to this place that I've never been to before in my life. And I walk around with confidence because I know all I have to do is ask Siri and put it in, 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 into the map, and she's going to tell me exactly where I have to go. Here's how this hit me. I don't feel the pressure of having to lead a family in a place I've never been before as long as I follow his direction. I don't feel the pressure of having to lead a church in a place that I've never been before as long as I follow his direction. Because I follow his direction, I have a confidence in what I do because I'm following his lead. It ain't my lead. So here's what's, what's, what's so amazing. You ever been in a car with someone and you put, the, you know, and I'm, what's the Android version of this? Who? Bixby? Well, that's terrible. Bixby. Let's just play with Bixby. You ever, you ever put a, put a address into Bixby? Is it big? Yeah, like that? 
you put it into Bixby, and um, you follow the directions to where Bixby takes you, and it's not the right place. You don't turn to the person in the car in, 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 that you're in the car with and, and, and yell at them. There's, we don't have a problem in the car because we ended up in the wrong place. All we do once we get to the place where it took us and we're not necessarily where we wanted to be, we find out what the right address is and we put it in again. You have to understand when you start to follow the direction of God, he reduces the number of discussions and arguments you have in your house and in relationships because the direction is on him. It's not on me. You, oh, gosh, y'all, y'all don't remember. I, I, when I was a boy, my family would always take a, a, a summer trip to Alabama. And, and, and the, 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 probably the height of my parents' dis- disagreements would happen in the car about directions. Well, you were supposed to get on I-95, and you got on 182, and you were supposed to go here and all that stuff. But when he's giving me directions, it's on him to get me there, not me. He is saying, listen, just follow me. Take my direction on what we're going to do next. Follow my direction. Follow my lead on how we get out of this mess. Stop carrying the weight of every decision that you have to make because God is saying, I'm here for you, and all you have to do is follow my lead. I I get to talk to these 20-something-year-old folks um, every other Wednesday in the unload. And I've even told them this. It is like they feel so much pressure to make the, the, the perfect decision every single time. Like if it's not a home run, it's not right. And now this specific age group is dealing with unnecessary stress, unnecessary depression. They're feeling all kinds of anxiety because they feel the pressure of trying to take the right direction every single time. But if you just say, Lord, I will follow. Lord, I will follow. It doesn't matter where you're taking me. Lord, I will follow. And then that automatically unloads it off of you and puts it on him. Oh, yeah. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have a responsibility in the whole thing. Because following is not easy. We were going down to Miami a few few months ago. And my father-in-law, they got a Prius. And I got a, a, a Dodge Durango. There's an engine difference. So as I'm going, I'm just driving, and I'm going, and I'm going. And then we finally took a stop probably about halfway down. He's like, dude, you know, you, you know I got this. What is it? What cylinder is it? He said, dude, you know I got this. I'm, I'm just going to say four-cylinder. And it, it, ain't, it ain't powerful enough to keep up with you. And sometimes when you take off, it takes me a minute to get there. But he never stopped following. Watch me now. At some point, we got to a rest stop where he could say, can you slow it down just a little bit? You see, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't mind what you're asking him. Jesus, just give it to me a little different because I'm not getting it that way. Can you slow it down just a little bit? As long as I follow, he'll make sure I get there. But I've got to follow. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.